precious saint of God, it's high time to pray. And I really want to talk to you one-on-one, heart-to-heart about this. Thank you for being my wonderful family and partner. But I really need to get through to a lot of you today about prayer. And I know you know about this, but so important to be reminded. We really need to pray today more than we realize we need to pray. And I pray that the Lord will use this message today to stir up the fire of prayer in all of us, in all of us, including me, all of us, all of us. Because let me tell you something. The word of God that I bring to you is not just for you. It's also for me. I need it just as much as you do. So we need to understand today the power of prayer. Needed more than ever. You know, sometimes I have to tell myself the important, to remind myself of the important. Because the flesh fights us. Our biggest enemy is the flesh. And when God speaks to us through his word and we obey, there's power. Now, we hear today about wars in a way we had not heard about wars before. For example, what's happening in Europe. It's just so dangerous and becoming more dangerous and nobody knows what the year will bring uh, in the Middle East in my part of the world, such trouble, such turmoil within Israel, such division. Some are saying maybe civil war will come. We don't know that. I don't believe that, frankly, but still you see the troubles throughout the world today. And in our own country, in your country, where you are, there's such trouble. You have power. Maybe you don't know that you have. Catherine Kuhlman was asked a question before she passed away. And the question was, if you had one advice to give the church, what is it? She said, I would tell the church there's no nation stronger than its spiritual forces. That's a powerful statement. That no nation on earth is stronger than its spiritual forces meaning only the church has power over those forces. No nation does. The church does. I give unto you power, the Lord said, over all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy, nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And the power of prayer, it's, it's, it's our privilege. It's right there for us. We can use the power of prayer to see change. Lord Jesus, we give you praise for your goodness, your word, your promises. Now, Lord, use this mighty word to touch our hearts and lives and rekindle the fire in all of us in a mighty, intense way for your glory. And God's people said, Amen, Amen. I've been a Christian now a long time, over 50 years, 51 years to be exact, just a few days ago. And I'll tell you, every so often the Lord will Come back and remind me, Benny, don't weaken. you got to keep praying. And when the problems arise out there, pray more. That is our life. In Isaiah 59, for example, verse, 15, uh, verse 16, and he saw that there was no man and wondered. Imagine there was a time in Israel nobody wanted to pray. And today a lot of people don't want to either. 
that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. His righteousness, it sustained him. We hear about the revival in Asbury University. We hear about the move of God now happening in many colleges and universities. It's an answer to prayer. It's an answer to prayer. It's happening at my children's school also, at Jesus' image, because they really take this very seriously. When we pray, God answers. So let's look at one more scripture from Isaiah 64, and I'm going to read for you verse 7, and I want you to take those scriptures down, look at them, and write them. And there is none that calleth upon thy name. The Lord was crying out in that day. There's none that was calling upon the name of the Lord that stirreth up himself, that stirs up himself to take hold of thee. That's what we all need to do, is stir up ourselves to take hold of God. For thou hast hid thy face from us, has consumed us because of our iniquities. Why does God hide his face? Why does God allow judgment? Because people don't pray, and then sin takes over. Without prayer, there will be sin. There will be judgment. So prayer is the most heavenly and spiritual function of our life as believers. And like I just said, I want to remind you of all the wickedness out there and all the dangers right now, the dangers we are in. If we don't pray, it'll come to our homes too. Believers, I'm talking about. But when we pray, those dangers will not touch us. They'll not touch us. And we can pray them away even from our, from our nations, from, from our world. That's, that's how much power we have as believers. So prayer is the most heavenly, the most spiritual function of the spirit-filled life. And we as believers have to understand something. Jesus is our life. But his life <clears throat> is breathed into us according to our surrender in prayer. So when you say Jesus is my life, you're right. But his life is breathed into you as you pray. So Jesus is your life. But his life is breathed into you only as you pray, not when you don't pray. So prayer frankly, inhales the life of Jesus. And prayer exhales the life of the flesh. One more time. Prayer inhales the life of God in our life. Inhales the life of Jesus in our life. Exhales our own life in the flesh. So Jesus lives and the flesh dies every time we pray. Jesus lives... And the flesh dies every time you and I pray. And the, and, the, and the word of God, in Luke 11, 13, for example, the Lord said, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Now, when he said the Holy Spirit, he meant that's the greatest thing we can have. Everything else is less important than the Holy Spirit. So if God gives us the Holy Spirit and everything else that is less than that 
is also ours. To have the Holy Spirit is greater than to have your own food or shelter or whatever you need in life. So here God gives us the Holy, the Holy Spirit. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all is my greatest. That's my favorite verse in uh, Romans 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, with him, not without him, with him, freely give us all things. Everything is ours because we have Jesus now. Everything is ours because we have the Holy Spirit. So if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our heavenly Father give us the Holy Spirit and everything else we desire? So now God's giving, God's giving is connected always, always to our asking. So God cannot give us without us asking. So when the Holy Spirit, for example, was poured on Pentecost, it was an answer to what? Asking in prayer. In Acts 1.14, it says they prayed. They prayed. They were asking. So Jesus gave the promise. I'll send you the promise of the Father. You will be endured with power. But they had to pray for that promise to happen. You really need to hear what, I, what, what I'm saying. The promise was given, but it wasn't enough. The promise was given. They had to pray that the promise that they heard will be fulfilled. So it says in Acts 1.14, these all continued. These all continued in prayer. Well, why pray if the Lord said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit? Because you and I cannot receive anything God promises us without the Holy Spirit, without prayer. And the Holy Spirit will not come without prayer. So God's giving is connected to our asking. We have to ask. We have to ask. I was thinking about this this very morning, how the Lord said, pray always, pray always. So his promises cannot be ours without asking. We have to ask. Think about that. The work of redemption was complete. The work of, of redemption on the cross was complete. The Holy Spirit was promised, but that was not enough because they had to pray to see that fulfilled, to see the work of redemption a reality in their life. You know, this is so important that we understand. The work of redemption was done. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come. Yet without prayer, they could not have lived it. They could not have received what the Holy Spirit would have done in their life because he's the one who, who brought the work of redemption into their life and made that work real in their life. But they had to pray. So they had to pray. It was intense prayer. It was continued prayer that caused the Holy Spirit to descend on them and fulfill redemption in them, fulfill the work of redemption in them. In, in, in Acts 1.14, these all continued. That means intense. That means they knew how important this was. In Acts 4, for example, it says in verse 24, how that kind of prayer brought great power, great power. Well, it comes because of prayer. 
Today we need that power in your life, in my life. We need it in the church. In Acts chapter 6, they chose prayer ahead of ministering to the poor. Ministering to the poor is important, but what's more important? Prayer. They said, look, it's important that we take care of the poor, but we apostles must give ourselves to the minister of the word and prayer. You go ahead and you find men, seven men they find, that can do this. But we cannot walk away from what God called us to do. Pray and study the word. So even though in James 1.27, it says that we have to take care of the poor, so important to take care of the poor. And, and, and yes, it's true. But what is more important? To pray. And they chose prayer. Read Acts chapter 6. They chose prayer ahead of ministry to the poor. So, all right, let's, let's talk about why, why salvation was given to the Gentiles. Prayer. Who prayed? Cornelius. Cornelius' prayer brought salvation to his house and the whole Gentile world. Think about what I'm just saying here. The, the prayer of one man, the prayer of one man who was really serious about prayer, who was a Roman. He truly believed in prayer. And he was not even saved. Think about that one. He wasn't even saved, and yet he understood the part of prayer. And his intense prayer, it says daily he prayed, daily. Here's a Gentile man, not even a born-again a born again Christian at the time, praying with, with intensity. The result, the Holy Spirit now falls on him, on his friends and neighbors and family that he brought into his home when Peter came from Jaffa. Think about the, the, what that one man's prayer did. That one man's prayer caused God to give Peter a vision, because without that vision, Peter would not have believed it. The mentality of that day in a Jewish mind is you don't talk or associate or go to the home of a Gentile. You just don't do it. And it was very, very thick in Peter's mind. I mean, imagine the Lord saying, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That was before his ascension. And it didn't click in their, in their head that he was talking about the whole world, not the Jewish people only. So when Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, they're thinking Jews only will, will hear it. But God meant more than that. He meant Jews and Gentiles. So God now has to show Peter a vision. And Peter said, no, no, not me. You know, I've never touched anything unclean. And God says, don't you call unclean what I've cleansed. And even though they read it in the Old Testament, they could not see it, that, that the promise of salvation was given to the Gentiles too. Now, a man named Cornelius starts to pray. It changed the globe. One man. It changed the world. It changed the Jewish nation. It changed the church. It changed the world. 
And now the Lord says to Peter, go and don't question anything. Don't doubt anything. And the Holy Spirit now has him go from Jaffa to, to Caesarea. That's a long walk, by the way. That's a long way. It's a good half hour by car. Think about they walked all that way. And now he gets there. He gets there. And he's wondering, why am I here? And Cornelius has, has to tell him an angel came. And here's what he said now. Please talk to us. And the whole world was changed because of one man's prayer. That is the part of prayer I'm, I'm talking to you about. Think about Acts 12. Think about Acts 12. When, when Herod kills James, it was the plan of Satan to stop the church from growing. So the devil uses Herod to kill the leader of the church at that time, James. James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John. And they wake up. Oh, no, you're not going to kill Peter now. And he took Peter, put him in prison, waiting for Easter to pass. So then he could bring him to the people and kill him. And they prayed in Acts 12. They prayed. They would not stop praying. Day and night they prayed. So much so that when the angel released Peter, they didn't even, even believe it. Think about that. They hear they were praying and they didn't believe that Peter was knocking on that door. So it's time we understand that when we pray, even if we're questioning, it's going to happen. Because they were questioning it. They were saying, well, it can't be Peter out there. But they understood something. They understood that God really hears prayer. They just weren't sure that he's going to do it so, so quickly and so powerfully. Okay? But Peter was released because they, they prayed. Why, why, did, why did Herod kill James? Because nobody was praying. They thought everything is fine. And now look what's going on in the world. It's high time to pray. Very, look, we could have a nuclear war if we don't. We could have a terrible war in Europe that could literally... This world would no longer be what it is, okay? If, if a war happens, and I don't want to scare you, but if a nuclear war happens in Europe, millions will die. Millions will die. We cannot afford a nuclear war. Nobody wins a nuclear war. And people will die by the millions. Think about that one earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Nearly, what, 50,000 people died in one earthquake. Think about a nuclear war. We can stop it with prayer, with prayer. We, the church, I'm talking about. I pray I'm getting through to somebody here, to somebody here. If two of you will agree as touching anything, it will happen. But we can't just, you know, kind of, you know, do it passingly and, and say amen quickly. No, no, no. We take it seriously. I'm really praying. I want you to join me in prayer that there will be no nuclear war in Europe. There will be no millions, uh, you know, that will be killed in Europe or anywhere. We, we want to see peace. We, we, we want to see harmony. We want to see the gospel preached to the world. 
So it stopped when they prayed. Herod could not kill anymore, any more leaders when they prayed. Peter was released when they prayed. So it was that what? It was that constant, because it says it was constant prayer. Okay, let's look at Acts 12. Okay, let's look at Acts 12. Because even though you know it, I want to read this part. Peter was therefore, verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing, without ceasing. This is the kind of prayer we need today. Without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You know this revival taking place today in Asbury and other places. It's the result of someone praying maybe even years ago. Maybe even years ago somebody prayed. Or recently. God doesn't move without that. Somebody had to pray for this to happen. So now we see a new move of God, which is so encouraging. Among our young people, our young people. Because somebody is crying out to God. All right. And that's that prayer that is mentioned in Acts 12, verse 5, eventually brought the death of Herod himself. So where there is prayer, there will always be much of the Holy Spirit. And where there is much of the Holy Spirit, there will always be much of prayer. So our life, our life now, is dependent on the part of God. Dependent. <clears throat> and only prayer releases that power. Only prayer. There is no other power. There is no other way that we can have the power of God, I should say, without prayer. There's no other way to see it without prayer. Prayer is the only way that we can see the power of God released. And we're talking like intense, persevering kind of prayer because it says they continued. It was with, without ceasing. And, and in, in Luke 11, the Lord talked about in verse 5 through, through 8, about th that persevering prayer where a friend came to another, knocked on that door, and, and a lady went to a wicked judge and so on. It's very important that you, you listen to the words of the Lord that that woman knew what she was doing. She said, I'm going to go to that judge. I'm going to harass him till he answers till he gives me what I want. And, and, and the Lord said, how much more will God do for you? Talked about the power of perseverance when a friend goes to, her, to, his, to his friend knocking on, on his door at midnight when they're all sleeping in his home. Get up, get up. I got somebody that has come. I've got a guest. I need some bread. I need some. And he gave him because of his persistence, not because he was his friend. The Lord said, not because he was his friend, because of his persistence. It's persistence God is looking for right now. Persistence. Isaiah 62. Let's go to Isaiah 62. Now, listen, I'm going to continue this tomorrow. I've got to. I've got to talk about this. It's so important that we really get this. And I know you heard it, but it's good to be, you know, it's, it's good to be reminded. It's good to be told, listen, we got a prayer right now. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. I'm reading Isaiah 62. 6 and 7, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the, of the Lord, keep not silence. Give him no rest till he established until he make Jerusalem 
a praise endure. God really loves that kind of prayer where we say, Lord, I'm not going to give you any rest till you answer me. John Arnott and I years ago in Canada prayed that prayer in a car. We said, Lord, we will, we will give you no rest till you use us. We will give you no rest till you use us. And God began using him up in Canada. That's what called the Toronto Blessing. That's John Arnott. He and I started together in Canada years ago when nobody knew our name. Yet today we see it happening because we said, Lord, we will give you no rest till you use us. And he took us seriously. And it says here, give him no rest. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, the power of our heavenly, heavenly life, the power of God himself, his very omnipotent power is waiting to be released upon you, upon me, only as we the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, it says in Hebrews 5. So prayer is now, it's high time, high time. All right, Lord, thank you. I pray that you will cause that one watching me to become a vehicle of prayer, a vessel of prayer. Lord, put that fire back in your people. Put that fire in us, put it in us with intensity. Put that fire in us with mighty intensity, Lord, that we don't forget the importance of this hour and prayer in this hour. Just like the early church that said, no, we will not allow it again. We will pray. We give you the praise, Lord, all the glory and honor. And God's people said a mighty amen. Tomorrow I'm going to continue. I have a lot more to tell you, a lot more to say. Because tomorrow I want to talk about the part of agreement, you know, what, what is that all about? And how with agreement things will happen that can't happen any other time. All right, now, it's time to give. It's time to give to the Lord. And you know why. Look, our time is running out. We've got to get the word of God out. I'm with you every day. I'm on social media every day. Why? Because I know the lateness of the hour. Why am I teaching the word? To strengthen you. To bless you. To lift your hands up high. To stand by you. And I'm asking you to stand by me now. With your giving. With your support. I want to continue doing this as long as God gives me strength. And there's a lot of doors opening for me right now. A lot of doors for traveling. I'm taking some of them, not all of them, because I don't want to miss doing this. See, I've, I've had more international invitations just in the last few weeks that I've had in years. And I will do as much as I can do. I really, I promise you, I'll do as much as God will allow me physically. But I want to come to you daily, even if I'm here or elsewhere. I was just in, in Houston. We you know, did it from the car. We talked to you from the car, <clears throat> which I like doing. But the thing is, I'm committed to this. I'm really committed to this. So will you also commit to be a partner? Will you stand with me financially? And the Bible tells us if we give, we receive. God will bless us as we honor him with our seed. Honor the Lord with your substance. 
and the first fruits of all your increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses will burst out with new wine. So will you do it today? And I know you will. Thank you again for being my wonderful partner and family. You can sow your seed right now by going to our website, benhin.org. You can do it on the platform you're watching me on, but the simplest way is just benhin.org. And then you can also text BHM45777 and become a partner and begin to give monthly to the ministry, and God will bless you for it in a great way. Yes, Lord, bless them. Bless the work of their hands. Bless their future mightily in Jesus' name. Give you all the praise. And God's people said, Amen, and I'll see you tomorrow. Much love. Bye-bye.